Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is going on? Watching the draft, a little. I'm happy with the pick. I've seen a little bit of hate online, and I think I think a lot of that comes from thinking Michael Mayer was going to be the guy. I've seen some Nolan Smith talk, but. I mean, these guys by consensus were back to back, I think. I don't even know which one was higher. And I think if you're going to guess, Nolan Smith had a better chance of dropping just due to the weight. Uh, he's not going to be a fit for everybody. And I don't know if he was a fit for the Bengals because he was about 20 pounds lighter than they've ever drafted at the position. So, Miles Murphy, that's your first round pick at 28. How are you feeling about it? You know, it's kind of crazy. We talked about just the defensive side of the ball. And I know I was really heavy on the tight end position in February and March, and then kind of leaning towards the cornerback room and thinking that's smart to go with the secondary. But at the same time, they are spending a lot of money on their defensive line, but they need help. They need pressure to get to the quarterback. And for him, I saw a few mocks where they had him going to Cincinnati. It just felt like the draft was falling perfect for the Bengals. And he wasn't one I ha- had in my mind at the moment because there was the Michael Mayer, Joey Porter Jr., who feels like he's going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers tomorrow. But at the same time, I- I'm 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 cool with it. You got Louie Arumo out there. I trust the defense, and you need to get cheap and, and hit on some of these draft picks on the defensive side. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what this says about anybody's future. We can probably talk about that later. But just talking about Miles Murphy himself, um, this is a guy they definitely showed interest in the whole time. Top 30 visit and a coach was at his pro day. He's only 21 years old. Consensus big board rank of 20. For those who keep saying this is a reach, not at all. And uh, just 
for reference, uh, Nolan Smith was 17.4, so just ahead of him. And I think it's the size that pushes him ahead. When you talk about consensus grade on the Joe Goodberry big board thing that we all do, 83 for both of them. And actually both ahead of Lucas Van Ness, who had an 82 and was at 22 on the big board. I gave him a first round grade and uh, I did give Nolan Smith a higher grade. But when I think about the scheme fit, it's Murphy. It's They love big, twitched up edge rushers. 260 plus pounds, a guy that can move inside a little bit. Uh, he played both sides at Clemson, usually rushed over the left tackle a little bit more than the right tackle. He was a five-star recruit, the number seven recruit, I believe, in the entire country when he came out. There's a lot to like. There's, uh, I mean, young, athletic, super twitchy, great get-off. Uh, he had seven sacks as a, what, 20 19 year old and as a sophomore four sacks as a freshman and uh he was first team all acc he led but it felt like a little bit of stagnation his junior year before he came out i think that can be explained because brett venables left and he's an awesome defensive coordinator so when you're making that switch he brzee it seemed like every clemson defender had a little bit uh a little bit of a downturn from that so 9.71 ras there's not a ton to dislike. We can get into the weaknesses later, but when it comes to the strength, he's a strong run defender, and there's a lot of potential as a pass rusher. It's kind of crazy. Duke Tobin talked to the media last week, and he brought up kind of the last time they drafted someone in his position, or at least even on the defensive line. It's been 22 years since the Bengals last did that. It was Justin Smith. Uh, he turned out okay. Unfortunately, he didn't finish his career in Cincinnati. That didn't work out. I'm not comparing him to Justin Smith or anything like that. When you think about what this defensive line is really going to look like, or even the addition of Miles Murphy out there in his rookie year, what do you expect to see? So I do expect a little bit of an awkward first year, right? You think about all the edge rushers this team has. They've got, obviously, the two starters, Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, who you could argue played too many snaps. I think that is a strong argument you could make. Do they, you know, do they cut that back at all? I don't know. Um, but they probably should, and I think this is what that pick could lean towards doing. You don't take it at 28 to not play him at all. Uh, it's similar to corner. Corner wasn't going to be a smooth first-year fit either, and I think that was a very popular pick. I think he's going to be rotational. I don't think he's a guy that you only need to play on third down. I think he's a guy that can be out there on base downs, take some of those snaps away, and that's something you really like if you're talking about getting Trey Hendrickson less snaps. He's not the best run defender, Trey Hendrickson amazing pass rusher not the best run defender so maybe getting like breather on a few of those and then bringing him in for third downs he's gonna play some first and second too obviously he's gonna play over probably 60 percent of the snaps but he was higher than that last year um the thing is the rotation and i'd never mind having too many guys on defensive line rotation you are looking at joseph osai cam sample and miles murphy i think you can make that work easily the saints have done that for years the Bengals used to do that back in the 2010s when their defense was one of the best in the league. So I'm not against it. And you're adding talent to a spot that always needs more talent and you could deal with injuries. Trey Hendrickson has been hurt this year. He, you know, he misses a game or two a year. It seems, um, you know, it, I feel like it just keeps everybody fresh. It allows you to play around with this defensive line and adding a twitched up rock, you know, rock solid guy like Miles Murphy. That is just something that, I'm all about, and I think he fits this system better than a Nolan Smith does. So that's the one thing about it as well is just 
a lot of talk about Nolan Smith, it would just it would just be very surprising. I know he plays like a Bengal, but two hundred thirty something pounds. I hear a lot of talk about how they didn't draft a first round defensive lineman. Were they going to draft a first round defensive lineman that didn't fit their thresholds? Because that would be the big one to me is that they really broke the tendency to do that. One very interesting thing about him, long arms, tiny hands, under nine inch hands. I, I don't get it. You, you think that's like, that works together? Like if you have long arms, you got big hands, right? Tiny hands, not tiny, tiny, but like for his size, very like small hands. Like tiny? Sorry, Nick. Yeah. Like first percentile for all uh, defensive linemen, hands. That's size. wild. That's yeah. wild. Well, when you think of, like you said, I, I trust the people who are going and watching and breaking down these tapes. And you mentioned Nolan Smith because I think that was the overall reaction. Well, why didn't you get him? And he went two picks later to the Philadelphia Eagles. And you mentioned it kind of really doesn't fit with the style of defense for the Cincinnati Bengals. What's some of the comparisons and, and differences with, with Miles and Nolan? So they're both good run defenders. I think, you know, Nolan Smith is undersized, but, and that comes back to bite him a little bit more than it does Miles. I think Miles sometimes struggles a little bit with his block recognition right now. And that's something that's a young guy, you know, that's something that he'll develop over time. And that's, they're going to drill the heck out of it in preseason, in camp, in, in the season, just, you know, you have to start recognizing defensive linemen have re everybody reads. Uh, they have reads. It's not just the quarterback. So defensive lineman is reading the, the tip of the shoulder pad of the offensive lineman is, is he going away from you? Is he coming towards you? Is he going backwards just to get that, you know, fast, fast, fast. You want to have an instant reaction to know if he's going away from you. Okay. I've got zone or maybe he's pooling and I'm going to get a back block. Uh, if he's going towards you, you know, base block, double team, if he's setting back pass protection or a draw. So, you know, just drilling the heck out of that until he's got it down. I think that's something I'll be fine with him. I think he does a good job getting off the ball. And to me, I know there's some people that are, you know, bend um, enthusiasts. They're, that's the most important thing to them. That's never been the most important thing to the Bengals. Uh, but it is to some people out there. You think of Von Miller, uh, Miles Garrett, guys that have insane bend. To me, get off is the most important thing. Your first step. And he might have the best outside of you're talking like the Will Andersons outside of those guys might be the best in the entire class at doing that, getting off the ball, firing off. Uh, I really like it. I don't think he's too stiff. I think there is stiffness, but he's not like Isaiah Foskey is stiff. And I, I don't know if I would describe miles Murphy the same way. Nolan Smith, the undersized, <clears throat> but Nolan Smith, I will say this about him. He is awesome against the run. It feels like he puts on war paint. He screams every time you know, there's a block coming towards him, guards, tackles, whoever. He is going to do everything in his power. He's got a lunch pail just glued to his hand at all times and a hard hat. He's going to take on every block and not make a peep about it. But I think Miles Murphy's just as good of a run defender. And I think there's more juice as a pass rusher when you're talking get off. You're talking he didn't really have a ton of moves. He's got the long arm, and that's about it. He's kind of a Carl Lawson right now as a pass rusher, which some people think is a bad thing. I think is a good thing to get that much pressure. You know, flush guys out to Trey Hendrickson, collapse the middle of the pocket, and now the quarterback can't get away from you. You're going to collapse it in general, create that cage like they like to do. Um, can he develop a counter move? Can he develop a secondary move? Can he, you know, set himself up a little bit better? These are all things that I think are interesting with Miles Murphy and why I think he's only scratched the surface of his potential. I think this is, that's the exciting part is that he hasn't, 
he's not a finished product. He's 21 years old. And this is a guy I really like. Yeah, you seeing his age, 21, that is huge. Uh, because we talked about the defensive side plenty of times. I mentioned it early on in this podcast where, where you want to save your money, where you want to work on these rookie deals for a while, where you have a lot of your money going right now on the defensive line and you want to pay your offensive stars. This is what you needed to do, you know, to be determined on what they do on day two and three. Do they go tight end running back or do they stay on the defensive side and maybe go corner? Um, I I think after hearing you early on in the segment, it's very encouraging for Bengals fans because the first overall reaction is, of course, is Michael Mayer's there. There's other hot names. Why didn't they get this guy? Who's who's this guy? And I think you just kind of breaking down what he's going to bring to this defense is really encouraging for this defensive line and defense in general. Uh, what are some of the weaknesses, though, for Miles? Okay. I mentioned the bend. He's not an overly bendy guy. He could be a guy that's going to get more pressures and sacks. He's not probably – I think the effort's there to get cleanup stuff, but when you're talking converting your pressures into sacks, he might not have a super high rate of that. <coughs> oh, bless me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's one issue. The other issue I talked about – I did kind of hit some of these. Block recognition, he's not there right now pass rush moves he's not there right now it that's the rawness of the game and i still think even with all that rawness you could play him 400 snaps this season even in this tough like group of edge rushers that the Bengals already have find a way to get him on the field find a way to get him some reps and you're hoping by the playoffs he's got some of that short up he's you know marion hobby who's done a fantastic job with defensive line in general maybe he's able to create more of a pass rusher out of him. The, I, I worry a tiny bit. The main thing to me right now is the block recognition. And I think that will get better, but it was obvious against Notre Dame uh, when Michael Mayer, oddly enough, would double team him. He'd be able to get him without him knowing Mayer was coming. And that, that is something that if you get hit in the hip, Think about you're you know, trying to take somebody on fighting another 300 pound guy and then someone comes from behind, just blasts you, try to knock you over. and You didn't see it coming. You have to be able to recognize that. You have to be able to see that coming. And that would be the one thing I'd be a little bit concerned about in run defense It's just the block recognition. I think it gets better over time. How fast does it get better? I don't know. Overall, though, you would give this a B. And I think for the board available, the only guy I would have taken ahead of him um, for this defense was Joey Porter Jr., who might sadly go to the Steelers now. Uh, I like Joey Porter Jr. a lot. I think some people didn't. I think the NFL liked him less than I thought. Uh, but I, that's the one guy. So that's that would have been the A pick. But this is B. This is a solid B. I think Michael Mayer. I don't think Michael Mayer was a better pick. I Really? It's about even is where I am. I think I gave – I gave uh, Murphy a better grade, and I just think I think Mayer's also closer. Realistically, there's a ceiling with Mayer that I think could be tapped into, but I think Murphy's a little further away from the ceiling than Mayer is in a way that I think Murphy could become a true star. While with Mayer, I really saw more of a I said Hunter Henry, but I think people forgot Hunter Henry was pretty good in San Diego when he played there. Yeah. Uh, so think more like Dalton Schultz from this offseason, like a really good tight end, a guy you want in your building, but he's not George Kittle, in my opinion. And I think that would be the difference is Miles Murphy could become a 12th sack guy. 
I don't I don't know if I see Mayer becoming a thousand yard receiver. So that would be your one difference there. We only got a little bit more time, but I wanted to hit the fun fact that we talked about before. Yeah. He played baseball and basketball as well as football growing up. Loved baseball. 14 years old, threw a 90 plus mile per hour fastball. When is he pitching for the Reds? Um, I give it probably a May date. He'll be in town for rookie minicamp next week. So that they'll have him in for for first pitch. I do want to say they're home, so it makes all the sense in the world or the next home stand and, and he's here for camp. Uh he, he can throw the ball just like DJ Reader. DJ oh. Reader apparently threw a slider on his first pitch. No, no, no. He I don't think he threw a slider, but he's oh. a he's a former baseball star. Yeah, yeah. I saw somebody online say it was a slider. I was like, that's a flex. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> I, I'm going to say this about DJ Reader just because we're talking about the defensive side of the ball. Didn't know until tonight that he is a top ping pong player on this Bengals team. Ooh. T. Higgins that. didn't have him in his top five. Well, he didn't have T. Higgins in his top five. He said Tyler Boyd Ooh. and Joe Burrow were the top. Okay. T had the same thing. I think T said uh, Trent. I think it was Trent Irwin. Trent. It might have been Trent Taylor, though. Having yeah. the two Trents always confuses me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I tweeted it out when he talked about it because he went on to uh, Pat McAfee and he listed the top five guys. He put himself at five. It was Burrow, Boyd, I think Trent Irwin, probably somebody else. I don't remember. Well, there had to be somebody else. But, I think yeah. it's a linebacker that I'm not thinking of. But yes, maybe maybe he will be maybe he'll be thrown out the first pitch to be determined. But when it happened, just remember we said it here first. Uh, but I want to get to more about this first round. It kind of felt a little crazy for all these NFL picks and a look ahead to 60 and the rest of the NFL draft for the Cincinnati Bengals on its always game day in Cincinnati. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Really nice breakdown of Miles Murphy. I know Mike will have great video breakdown over on his Twitter page, Bengals underscore Sands. I can say that because I've already retweeted it, and I'm sure you'll have a piece later in the next 24 hours up about Miles Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I got a plane ride and I'm probably going to write it all there. I want to watch a few more games. I want to watch 2021. That's the big one. And it might end up being Monday just because I really want to nail this one. And I'll probably have the second round pick up that Friday or something. So I don't know if I want to get it out tomorrow just because it's such a short time 
So, and then you hit Saturday and nobody's going to read that. So it might be a Monday morning article. It might be a Monday morning article, but I'm going to be grinding some Miles Murphy film and trying to get all the good juicy stuff in there and really nail down the evaluation. Because I watched three games. That's that's all I ended up getting of him. I'm watching against Notre Dame, North Carolina, and uh, somebody else in the ACC. So uh, good matchups, though. I think the Notre Dame left tackle is supposed to be somebody next year in the draft. And I think... Asim Richards for North Carolina is also supposed to be a draft prospect. I don't know if that's next year or not. So there, there's – he's faced some guys. I know people have poo-pooed the ACC offensive tackles a little bit, but that feels like, you know, those are real guys if they're going to play in the league. Well, you watched. You said you only watched three games. That's probably three more than some of the Twitter reaction I'm getting right now. Most of it. Most of the Twitter <laughs> reaction, yeah. I tweeted – when I did my Edge article mm-hmm. and I got the, the stupid – I got the – he was the first guy. And I listed, I said, if he is there, they're going to run this card to the podium. They were really fast. They said that the Bengals were right? really fast when they ran the, when they ran. To I the want a little, I didn't put him in my box because straight. I thought he'd be gone. Where's your that was the, out of your article right now? I, like, I'm going to post that tomorrow. That's what you're going to see tomorrow is my old article where I said, the Bengals are probably running to the podium if this guy's available. They I did. I mean, I, I wasn't watching the, the Twitter version or I wasn't watching the TV version. I was kind of scrolling on Twitter because I wanted the early reaction to it. And somebody said the Bengals took no time to run their to 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 make their phone call and the card to be ran up to uh, the commissioner. So and Zach Taylor even said he goes, I was surprised he was there to be completely yeah, honest with you. That's you the too? thing. The, the, the reach talk is shocking to me because this is a guy and maybe they just didn't know because he was never as mock drafted to the Bengals. This is a guy that was mocked and like 20, 18, the mid, the mid first round is where this guy was supposed to go. It wasn't a reach people. It was a first round pick. In my opinion, I watched him on film and I thought first round pick and Brandon Thorne, friend of the show, he was on. He said, Ike McWanu, uh, who went what? Six overall last year had that Murphy and him. They had a battle. He had some good reps against Icky. So I'm going to try to find that one real bad, but, uh, yeah, this this is this is a dude. This is a guy that I think people should be more excited about. He was a faller in the draft. I think I think somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I think on the consensus board, he would be higher this year than Dax Hill was last year. Really? And I feel I like I think Dax Hill was more like mid late first. And this was a middle, middle first. Uh, consensus, I believe. I could be wrong. It could be around the same place, but it definitely wasn't a reach. I think everybody will feel so much better after hearing this because the first initial uh, reaction is because you're hearing these bigger names. And at the end of the day, we don't know how everybody's going to pan out. And the draft was all over the place. A lot of the guys we thought would go in the top 10. I think you could even say Daniel Jeremiah when he looked at Dalton Kincaid. He's like, I'm extremely surprised that he's still here. He was really hyping him out up in his uh, mock drafts that he was going to go in the top 10. Uh, it was just, it was different teams. Re- some of them reaching, some of them trading. And um, I think Bengals fans could, should feel a lot better about this pick. Give it, give it some sleep 24 hours. And, and when the season starts and he's making an impact on the defense line, I think it's going to be absolutely huge, but we're going to move on because this is going to be our last podcast till we react to it on Sunday. We're going to talk about the rest of the rounds for the Cincinnati Bengals. If they stay put or if they get more draft picks, number 60 is next with the way the first round kind of went for them. What do you expect for the Cincinnati Bengals at 60? So I thought that Isaiah Foskey is kind of like a lesser version of Miles Murphy. I thought they'd be interested in that, but with Murphy already taken, they're not going to go with another edge. Sam Laporta 
who I mocked to them in my mock draft, my realistic one. I had Murphy as an honorable mention again because I didn't think he'd be there. If I thought he'd be there, I would have put him there. Although I put Forbes there, who went much higher than I thought. So hard to predict the draft, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think they would run the card up if it was Laporta. I don't think they were fully in on Mayor. I think they would have taken Mayor if well, him or Porter would have been interesting. But I think they would. There's a scenario they could have taken Mayor or Kincaid. But I do think they kind of like the sweet spot of the second round for their tight end. And that could be Tucker Craft. But I think the likely one is Sam Laporta. These tight ends are falling. They're falling more than you expect. Luke Musgrave could be there. I think that would be something they would be into. You're thinking of every tight end that's available right now. Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington. Like there was all this talk about four tight ends in the first round, right? Two. Uh, one. One. Sorry. Mayor didn't go in the first round. Yeah, just There's one. There's been one tight end that's gone. So you've got Mayor, Laporta, Kincaid, Kraft, Washington. All these guys that the Bengals probably have some interest in at pick 60, I think that's going to end up being the sweet spot for them. I I don't think they would go with a, a Keanu Benton. I don't think you double dip D-line in front seven like that. They could go corner. It's a deep corner class too. And you're looking at, you know, Porter Jr. still available. That was surprising. And then DJ Turner didn't sneak into the first round like some predicted. Tyreek Stevenson didn't sneak into the first round like some predicted. Julius Brents is available. Uh, so, there's four outside guys. Clark Phillips is available if you want an inside guy. So there, there's plenty of corners. I think they're in a good spot. I think this is a good draft for them so far. A lot of wide receivers, and it was unexpected because there was that rumor about one wide receiver has a first-round grade, and then bam, 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 four wide receivers in a row go, and that's just great for the Bengals. And then Felix Anudike Uzama and Nolan Smith going after the Bengals, also nice because they're not interested in edge rusher anymore. So take those guys. Take as many edge rushers as you want. So that's that's where I think I am, is that I would expect tight end or corner with the next pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could – I just think running back's going higher than we expect, and we're seeing that so far. Uh, so my mind, I went, it could be Charbonnet at 60, but I think I think they're more in on Roshan Johnson later on than they are at Charbonnet in the second round and maybe a trade down in the second round. A lot of options, a lot of options out there that we'll have to uh, – Monitor, you know, it feels like pick 60 is just as hard to predict as pick 28 was. I think it's one of those, I think they're going to move up. Because, Ooh. so last year they moved up just a little bit for Cam Taylor Britt. The year before they moved back in the second round, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say it was the Jackson Carmen picked. So it just feels like, you talked about it being their sweet spot. It feels like one where they, they hate their guys there in the 50s. Maybe we see them move up a few spots. But it I think that would be Laporta for them. Really, Laporta or, or it, Musgrave, maybe even. I think they want one of these tight ends. I, I could do be wrong. too. What? Where do you think Michael Mayer is going to fall in the second round? I think early thirties. I don't think it's going to be far. It really felt like this might have been him, and then the Eagles don't need a tight end. The Chiefs don't need a tight end. The Saints could have used him, but they went Brzee, which is just such a Saints pick. Which the Saints are similar to the Bengals. I think that's yeah. why you're seeing some overlap there. But they like the big. They like the big defensive lineman and that's what Brissy is so uh I, I didn't think that was overly surprising although just they didn't get their tight ends so it was a little bit surprising they might not have gone Michael Mayer there I uh, I haven't looked at the early second round yet I don't think Arizona's in they took Trey McBride they just gave Ertz a deal I don't think Pittsburgh's in with Fryermuth. 
So there might just be less tight end landing spots than we predicted. Like maybe this tight end class is just as good as we thought, but maybe the landing spots aren't all there. I don't think he makes it past like a Green Bay though. No, I, I definitely agree with you. It's probably going to be the the 30s for him, maybe early 40s. Um, yeah. but, but for the Bengals, yeah, I could totally see 60 being a tight end position for them. But I do want to go back to running back because it's so crazy. We've talked about it all off season, the positional value of running back. You mentioned Bijan. You were Bijan from the start. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. You do not get <laughs> running back in the first round. Then we're like, you know, Jameer Gibbs. I, I kept seeing these stories. Even Daniel Jeremiah, he's like, he's going to go in round one. But I don't think anyone had him going in the top 12. And I thought that was a little surprising for the Detroit Lions because he could have possibly been an option for the Cincinnati Bengals. But look, their mindset could have been defense all along just with how the board was falling. Uh, what did you think about the the running back situation in the first round? Crazy. And it's just – I don't think the NFL has bought into the idea running backs don't matter. And that's fine. Um, I do think there's the argument that it's harder to find running backs the further in you go. And it's a very safe first round pick. If you want a safe first round pick, I don't think you can get safer than a running back. Uh, so, I mean, there's been misses. Like people point to Trent Richardson or Clyde Edwards Alaire, but most of the time you're at least getting like a Travis Etienne type where like, that's a pretty good runner. Um, and it's hard past round three to find a starting level running back. And this is supposed to be a deep class. And I think it is a deep class, but I do think it's, it's harder than you guys think to find that Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. Every Isaiah Pacheco is awesome. And you don't remember any of the seventh round running backs that didn't make become anything because why would you, uh, there's been hundreds of those guys for every Pacheco or Carson. So I think the running back is interesting. Charbonnet fits a lot of what they like. It's just what Brian Callahan said on Locked on Bengals that is stopping me from really believing in that because he said they're looking for a guy that complements Mixon well, where Mixon is a really good runner, a strong runner, a grinder. That's kind of Charbonnet too. And Charbonnet is a good receiver, but that Mixon's got good hands. Mixon's a good receiver. I think what you're missing is either the pass protection or the explosive plays out of the receiving game. So... Roshan Johnson, Tajay Spears. If you think that Charbonnet could develop into a good pass protector because he didn't do it much at UCLA, maybe that's how you take him there. Um, but, man, I would, I'm would. i leaning heavy on tight end corner in round two. Could you, be O-line, too. Let's not forget Dewan Jones. No, no, not at all. But but with the running back situation, talk about someone who compliments Joe Mixon with the way the way things have been going over the last couple of years. It really feels like they're looking for a running back who they're going to put out there on third down. Yeah, I think so. And I'm hoping it's a guy you can trust in two-minute drill too. Like that was the one thing about Jameer Gibbs is if you get Jameer Gibbs, do they trust him in two-minute drill? Because he's not a pass protector right now. You might just live with it. And I took this. I took a running back in the first round. He's not going to not be on the field for that. But they paid Mixon all that money. He wasn't on the field for it. So I, I think they value that pass protection in two-minute drill situations more then they value the pass catching. So that that's the interesting part to me about when you're talking about finding like maybe a Ty J Spears type to be your running back to your change of pace back. I like Ty J Spears a lot and I think he would compliment Mixon well, but that does it, it leads you into maybe asking Mixon for the pay cut and sign Zeke thing so that you have a pass protecting running back on the roster 
or maybe you look into a fullback and that's just your pass protection back because the Bengals kind of did that with Brian Leonard mm-hmm. way back, leaping Leonard. Oh yeah. Uh, friend he was, of the show. He was, yeah, friend of the show. He was he was more he was their pass protection guy, and that's why he was on the field for that leaping play. It was third down back, pass protection, two minute drill. This wasn't the same coaching staff, but it's the same idea where you want that guy you could trust in pass protection. And if he makes a play in the passing game, awesome. But if he's just being a consistent, solid pass protector, that's what they're looking for in those two-minute drills. You're probably just sprinkling in a guy that you think is an awesome receiver into certain moments that you think, we need a spark. You know, this is like, you know, you've got the defibrillator. (laughs) Let's jolt this offense. Yeah, I I think that's what's going to be intriguing about tomorrow night because you get your second and third round. Is it tight end? Is it running back? Do they double dip this weekend? Um, But the good news is when you look at the needs going into this draft, I think a lot of people have to remember that this was a need with Miles Murphy. It was extremely important going into the 2023 season and, and filling that void and adding to what you needed to on the defensive line hopefully getting more pressure on the opposing quarterback. So you you move that out of the way. You move on to tight end, running back. You mentioned offensive line. How do you feel about the offensive line class, just kind of the way it went in the first round? About expected, I think. Yeah. Do you you disagree? (laughs) It's pretty – it's just – that's not that exciting. Not that it, yeah. it just wasn't the normal offensive line class. I felt like, besides when the top guys yeah. were gone. Yeah, yeah. I I think where you are with with it now, Anton Harrison went, I believe, right? Yeah, he mm-hmm. went. Um, so like where you are now, at tackle to me, it's Dewan Jones or a project, and Dewan Jones himself is you know not a mm-hmm. complete thing, but he's more plug and play than anybody else. I don't think there's another guy at tackle that I would feel good about them starting week one uh, or even this year pretty much. So guard center, I think there's some guys they could look into. And if you want to listen to locked on Bengals, take it very literally. Yeah. Uh, I'd say Brian Callahan said, we got a lot of tackles and we're looking for interior help. So if you want to take that literally, I don't think they're going to push a guy with Volson, though. So that's where I keep coming back to day three offensive line. It it could be round two, and it could even – you know, they could even add a tackle. But throwing another project into the mix might not – you know, it's kind of – you've got Deontay Smith as your project. You've got Jackson Carmen as a little bit of a project. You've got, you've got all these projects. <laughs> uh, so maybe find a guy that can really play, like you trust to really play out there. Cody Ford's a project, too, so – that's kind of where I am on the offensive line. I think there's, I think there's some guys that are interesting, but they're almost all projects other than getting a Dewan Jones. Yeah, I think it's important, and and it just is not the same offensive line class like it used to be or used to be over, over the last couple of years. But no. you do have, you do have to look at the center, the backup center position. I think so too. That's that's where I keep coming back to is their backup center right now is Trey Hill, and I don't know how much they trust it because we haven't seen. Well, we haven't really well, – You're right. He played hurt. <laughs> Ted Karras is playing hurt in that Bills game instead of coming out. Uh, we haven't seen him leave. And Trey Hill did take snaps and was up and down his rookie year, but he was a rookie. So maybe that's why. But I, I do think maybe they want to upgrade that. And then you're talking about the flexibility to back up any interior spot and take the role of a guy who played a very crucial role 
but take that Max Sharping role. Maybe you're talking Ricky Stromberg in the fourth round. That's my guy. That's who I would take and look at heavily. I think he's a top 100 player, but maybe they're looking a little bit earlier. Maybe they look for Joe Tipman, who didn't go. Luke Weipler, I believe. Um, there's still some guards available. Osiris Torrance didn't go. I don't think Steve Avila went. So neither big-name guard went. There, there's plenty of interior guys that I feel comfortable that if they had to play early on, I'd feel fine better than the tackles. And that's expected though, right? You find your tackles on day one. You find your guards day two, maybe day three even. Yep. All right. I want to get to more on the offensive line next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Is it's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on it's always game day in Cincinnati. I do want to bring this up because it is draft weekend. Trades happen. Do we think Jonah Williams will be trade this weekend? Ooh, I think the interesting one is the Jets because I think they're really in on Broderick Jones and the Steelers jumped him. I think yeah. that was on purpose. And I also think the Patriots did that on purpose too. <laughs> I think they may have had a pretty good grade on Broderick Jones. They didn't want him because they have, you know, Trent Brown and whoever else uh, going on over there. And they signed Riley Reef. So maybe they were like, we're fine with our guys. And I know the Steelers want Broderick Jones. Give us an extra fourth. We'll jump down. We're still going to get the guy we want in Christian Gonzalez because we don't think the Jets will take him and kind of screw over our division rival <laughs> i think that might have been a little bit on purpose from them which is always fun always fun to see the division rivals kind of mess with each other um so that would be a team i think could be interested i think tampa could be interested they didn't get their i don't believe they got an offensive tackle man draft is just flying by my memory um so nick can correct me if i'm wrong i didn't think they got an offensive tackle that's another one. They don't have a starting level left tackle right now, I don't think. You can cross the Jags off the list. They got Anton Harrison, so even with the suspension, whatever. They also have Walker Little waiting around in there. Um, man, other than that, if I was the Colts, I'd look into it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm also the Colts, I'd probably feel okay about Bernard Raymond and Braden Smith as my starting tackles. Quentin Nelson as my left guard. Right guard, I don't feel good. Um, but I wouldn't Jonah doesn't really want to play that. So that's that's what the thing is. Like he doesn't have control over if they trade him, he could go somewhere else where hey, they might need him at left tackle. So it's mm-hmm. just one of those situations. And maybe there's more conversations happening behind the scenes. Zach Taylor did tell the media a couple weeks ago that stuff is private between us and Jonah. What's going on there? But if anything was going to happen, I feel like you you would you would want to get a draft pick on day two. Um, oh, the have- Bucks are Kalijah Cansey, of course. Right, for so, but we we were looking at that Bucks pick, thinking, "Oh, that's a Bijan place. If he makes it that far, he's gonna go. <laughs> well, Bijan's gone." My, th- my theory on it was, it's not a fun spot for him to land. <laughs> that was why I picked him. I was like, and then I actually did a mock draft 
with some friends and I put Bijan at eight to the Falcons. I heard a little bit of smoke about it yeah. and I kind of connected this, that team loves taking playmakers, Kyle Pitts, Drake, London, Bijan Robinson. And they're just going to kind of either, you know, either Cincinnati guy, Desmond Ritter is going to figure it out. He's got a good talented cast around him for offense or it's a good quarterback class next year if he doesn't figure it out. And you've got some good playmakers for him. Yeah. I. What did you think about the first round? Because it felt – it for me personally, it's probably because we just missed football. But it just felt a little wild, a little crazy with the quarterback situation. All the smoke leading up to the draft, none of it mattered at the end of the day. These teams were going to take – you look at Bryce Young, CJ Stroud go one and two. But but overall, it just kind of felt like – for the Cincinnati Bengals, we, we, we've already talked about Miles Murphy, but it felt like it was just falling in place for them and the Buffalo Bills towards the end with, with just the wide receivers going late, some of the quarterbacks going off the board. Anthony Richardson went pretty early. Will Levis did not go. Didn't go. Um, and Hooker didn't go. I, I really thought Hooker was going to go. Really? Where was he going to go? I don't know. I, I kept seeing people kind of hint Seattle was interested, Minnesota was interested, and – I, I, I really bought in because the only argument against him seemed to be people saying, like, he's not a first-round pick. And it's like, well, yeah, but so? <laughs> like, the NFL is always on this. Tim Tebow went late in the first round. Uh, Baker, uh, not Baker, but uh, Johnny Manziel went in the first round. Like, there's been plenty of not first-round quarterbacks that sneak their way into the first round. So, uh, but I do think the age and injury may have pushed him down enough he's gonna be second third could be later i don't know i know i have no feel for it anymore will levis is fascinating though because i think the Colts situation was interesting Mm -hmm. where somebody asked them specifically about levis and he kind of walked around it a tiny bit but it was kind of obvious what the i believe it was greek it's like ballard yeah ballard said he basically said everybody has us pegged for one guy and we're not interested in that guy Basically, like everybody thinks we're taking Levis. We're not taking Levis. So in my mock draft with friends, I gave him Richardson. So I feel good about that. Went off the rails after that. Uh, I got the first four picks in a row, right? And I thought I was about to nail this thing. And like I was going to post it everywhere. And then uh, I had Jalen Carter, five, Devin Witherspoon, six. Like it it went off. Christian Gonzalez, seven, B. John, eight. But then, yeah, it went off the rails after that. uh, Where, man, I don't know if I got another pick. How many other picks I got right? Uh, none. <laughs> Try to look. Not after that. But it, man, it, like I didn't look it. I don't know if I got a single one right after that. <laughs> it is absolutely crazy. At first, I was like, "Oh, I get what the Texans are doing. It makes sense." And then they trade back with their, they trade with Arizona, and then they get another pick. And I'm like, "Okay, all right, I see what you're doing, uh, Houston Texans." And then I was like, "I kind of like the haul that Arizona got," but it just was. It was a little bit all over the place. I don't miss picking in the top 10. I will say this. When the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow and they drafted uh, Jamar Chase in the back-to-back years, I didn't watch the rest of the first round. Now we get to watch the pretty much the whole entire draft. Wait, wait, wait. Watch these guys fall. See some surprises and trades. And I'm like, all right. It's going pretty well for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think, like I said before, in our first segment, you really talked a lot about Miles Murphy. And I think Bengals fans should feel pretty encouraged with that pick for the defensive side of the ball. But uh, but overall, any other thoughts on draft night one? Um, I think one of the most shocking things was Houston trading back up to three to get Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. 
usually don't see that. A trade up into the top five is always, almost always, to get a quarterback. And they got their quarterback at two in yeah. CJ Stroud. And then instead of just waiting to see what falls to 12, they went, well, we love Will Anderson. <laughs> and it could work. It could work out fine. But um, the rumor was that they were going to take Will Anderson and then try to trade back up for Stroud. And then they heard, you know, that other teams may be interested in CJ Stroud. So they took him first, especially division rival Titans were supposedly very interested in him. So that's, I guess, what supposedly happened. One other thing I want to bring up with Murphy, I think it's a low bust chance pick because I just think he's, I think a lot of stuff that he's not great at is correctable. I also just think he comes in with a high floor and a high ceiling. That's usually not something you find at pick 28. You have to set your expectations a little bit for pick 28. He's probably not going to become a star, although I think that potential is there to become a 10 plus sack guy just with the get off. Uh, but temper expectations a tiny bit. I think you talked about the pick 28 in the past however many years and none of them were all pros or were any of them pro bowlers. I don't remember uh, that. Right now, because there's one that's coming to mind, but but go ahead and with how you feel about like 28. Mark Ingram, I think, was the only one that might have been a pro bowler, and that's a running back. So After I, Queen was, was drafted 28, that does not help anything. No. Um, and last year was Devontae Wyatt, which also doesn't help. But, um, yeah, I – I do think temper expectations a little bit. I don't think he's going to bust. I think he's got a good chance of just, you know, being a, a solid starter rather than uh, anything else. But I do think there's a star chance. I think there's a role player chance, which to me wouldn't really be a bust. I think the bust chance itself is kind of low. I think he's a guy that's going to come in and, you know, really be a, be, be a high character, high motor guy at least. And I do think they're, like I talked a lot about in the first section of this, if you've forgotten or didn't listen to it, um, there's a lot of strengths there and there's a lot of reason to be excited about the potential. Yeah. And I think when you mention his age, a lot of people have to remember. 21. Too. I mean, there's still a lot of time to develop and I, learn. And doing what he did at 20 years old, at 19 years old, at 18 years old, I think tells you a lot. It, it tells you a lot about how talented this kid is. So it's always to me, I don't know if everybody else is as impressed by it as I am sometimes, but this is one reason I love Jamar Chase coming out. When you can do that to, you know, NFL players when you're 19, 18, even 20, that's much more impressive than a guy that goes out there at like 24 years old. Like a 24-year-old should have better technique than him, should be a more polished product. A 23-year-old too, a 22-year-old even, like, he should be getting better every year. And like the T Higgins pick where everybody hated the athletic testing, he has a chance to become a better athlete. He's only 21. That's the one thing about taking these guys that are so young is they may not be fully athletically mature any at, at this stage. So I hope I've sold some people. Like I said, it's not an A. Yeah. I think an A for me would have been Joey Porter Jr., I liked him a little bit more. He was there. Higher floor. He was there. Steelers might get him. It is what it is. You move on. And hopefully it doesn't work out for them. And I'm just wrong. Um, it, but Mayer and Murphy, I think, get the same grade for me. I'm not going to say I, – I did say earlier I think I would have taken Murphy over him 50-50. But they probably get the same grade from me. And if you were going to be super excited about Mayer, I, I feel like it's a similar – it's not a similar idea because Mayer is a higher floor than him, even though I think he is pretty good floor. 
but Murphy does have a higher ceiling in my opinion. And I think it's worth talking about. And do you want to draft for ceiling at 28? I think if you're talking about pro bowl, all pro potential, it's there. It might not happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not even saying there's a good chance of it, but I think that potential is there. Unlike it is for some of the other guys they could have taken. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. Just, Give it some time. And I also think with Michael Mayer, and I was big on Michael Mayer, and with him being there, I thought, no-brainer, they're going to turn the card in and still kind of felt cornerback a little bit because of the option being available. But for them to go that route, they felt that way. Zach Taylor said he didn't believe that he was going to be there. And, I mean, Michael Mayer, I think if if he was from – say Michael Mayer wasn't from the Cincinnati area. You know, what, would there be more of a non-connection? Yes, what he did at Notre Dame was really great, but I think there's a little bit of that hometown feel. You want your guy, he's from Cincinnati. And I think that's what a lot of people connected with, with Michael Mayer um, and how cool it would be for him to play with Joe Burrow and, and obviously a good tight end too. But with this guy, you know, he's going to make that impact. And we've talked about it on this on the podcast before. You know, how many yards did Hayden Hurst have last year? Can, can Irv Smith step up? And maybe they still get a tight end on day two or three. Um, but I just, I'm not overlooking it too much or, or questioning it. I, I want to see September and October, what it's going to look like with this deep on the defense. And, and maybe it's later in the season. Um, uh, but I'm just, I the, the, the reaction to it was a little surprising, honestly. Yeah. I, I just don't think they were ready for the pick and they really want a mayor. I want to bring up one quick thing as we leave. Do you think of tight end in the first round? Hasn't been very good. Where do you find your tight ends? Typically your Kelsey's, your Kittles, your Andrews. Second round, third round, fourth round. Not the first round. Like there are good first round tight ends. And but that's not typically where the all pros are found. You usually get those second, third, fourth round guys. It's a hard position to evaluate. Um, where do you find your star edge rushers? It's really in the first round. <laughs> you know? Um, it's not always. You can find athletic freaks. Trey Hendrickson comes to mind, obviously, as a guy. Sam Hubbard was a second-round pick. Carlos Dunlap, technically a second-round pick. Carl Lawson, no. The Bengals have done a really good job of finding these mid-round guys, but when you look around the league at who's an awesome pass rusher, whether you're looking from Miles Garrett to Brian Burns, it's first-round guys. First-round guys the whole way. And this was a projected mid-first-round pick. So he fell a little bit. Maybe the NFL didn't see him as a mid-first-round pick, but he fits the idea for a guy that could become a really good edge rusher. And I like it. I, I hope I sold some people because I was surprised at the reaction online to not liking this pick. And I don't know if it had to do with Porter and Mayer being on the board, but uh, this is a good pick. It's not a bad pick. The bad picks were there. They got leaked a little bit, you know, the, the Bergeron idea, the Sam Laporta in the first round idea. Like those weren't, those weren't good ideas. Now, Sam Porter, Sam Laporta round two. I'm in. Also, I think fans need to be encouraged because Luna Rumo's back. There was a oh, chance yeah. where he wasn't going to be back, and this is huge. And I know he's not the D-line coach, but he's a defensive coordinator, and he's going to utilize him to the best of his abilities. So I feel encouraged. Uh, you mentioned it before. You already have a piece up really already kind of talking about Miles Murphy. A, a little blurb, but yes, blurb. I do talk about it. It's probably less than you heard in this podcast, but just so you know, I was – I did – I did mention this. I, think, I, just didn't think he was, I didn't that I didn't think he was gonna be there. So I didn't predict it, but I I did write, I believe the exact words were if he's on the board, they're gonna run to the podium. And um, that seems like what happened. It's it's exactly what happened. I can't remember who tweeted it, but they said Zach Taylor ran. 
they ran, they made their decision. He obviously didn't run from Pecor Stadium to Kansas City. They, they have people, uh, but it worked out for them. They're excited. I'm really pumped on Sunday. Like I said before, we'll have a special edition podcast, just kind of recapping day two and three and to see who the Cincinnati Bengals add to this roster. And you're going to have more on all Bengals. You're going to have a piece on that. You said maybe Monday the published publish flag cannot talk because it is almost one in the morning. Uh, but you're going to have that piece up by Monday on all Bengals, a little more on Miles Murphy, and I'm sure the other draft prospects or picks from the Cincinnati Bengals. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.